The landscape has definitely been uh, one of the biggest ones for us. You know, tired of COVID affecting your jobs. That was massive for us. So using that campaign from a 26K ad spend, we actually generated $3.2 million worth of leads. Yo, David, welcome to the uh, Courses and Funnels podcast, man. Great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Lucas. Cool. This is going to be a sick one. So we met via Facebook. We got introduced through a mutual friend. You told me about some of the stuff that you're doing in the info product and the course space, which is absolutely insane. Uh, So I wanted to do a podcast, man, because yeah, you're doing a ton of cool stuff, a ton of learnings, uh, and I know you can give a ton of value. So maybe give people a little bit of background about kind of who you are, what you do, that kind of story. Yeah, cool. So look, I came from uh, the vocational education space, actually. So uh, here in Australia, there's a big sort of barrier to entry to get into that. Um, you've got to go, jump through quite a few hoops uh, in order to get approved, get your license, all that kind of a thing. So uh, what we were doing was we were selling predo- predominantly construction courses or nationally registered, nationally approved, so certificates, diplomas, that kind of a thing. So, um, And what we were doing, I mean, we, uh, we've jumped from sort of business to business in that we jumped in uh, at low price point, scaled the business digitally by implementing Facebook ad strategies. Uh, and then selling the businesses and getting out of them and, and moving on. So uh, the, the first one that we did was it was a, a 25-year-old company and I think I was actually 19 at the time that I was running that one. At the time that I came on, it was doing about 75K revenue per month with no profit. It was just breaking even. Uh, and within about nine months, we scaled that to about 480K revenue per month with 40% margin. So very happy with that. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so stepping back for context, when you say vocational, just for the audience, maybe explain kind of what these courses are, how they're different to, you know, if you were to launch you know, an online course ourselves, how they're different. Yeah, of course. So look, I mean, uh, in the info product space, I mean, when you're talking about just courses, they can, they're called, as far as our lingo, uh, non-accredited, uh, which means it's not necessarily registered by the country as you know as far as licensing requirements whereas in the vocational space it's typically you need to go through these courses in order to get your license so if you want to become a builder here in australia or here in queensland specifically you've got to go through whether it's a cert for in building and construction or a diploma or advanced diploma or masters or so on and so forth you've got to go through these courses uh before you can even look at applying to become a builder so uh it's just that sort of i guess national register is the main difference yeah and and maybe give some more kind of like niches or verticals if someone's in the us or someone's in the uk in terms of you know verticals that these vocational courses are in and also you know the the rough price points because you know we're not talking about you know 40 90 dollar break-even courses here we're talking about kind of big high ticket purchases which is nice so tell us kind of the vocational industry what else is in there and and kind of what else it looks like yeah sure so i mean look what people will typically do they'll certificate three for instance uh get you a sort of boots on the ground job so it might get you to be a a laborer or you know working for someone else normally it's a cert four or diploma uh or higher up is you know for your real business owners or those looking to expand uh they're normally where you get into running your own company you've got a few guys working underneath you uh, and you're starting to take on some bigger, larger contracts and projects that way. Um, so, I mean, the price points that we were talking about, we, we were normally dealing with landscape construction was our biggest one. Uh, and so that one was a price point of about 4500 bucks. And the diplomas, they were normally going for about eleven grand each. Is it an online course or, or an in-person course with these vocational products? 
No. So for the Cert 3s, quite often they were actually in person, in classes. Uh, we had to have trainers, campuses, so on and so forth, because it's very difficult to demonstrate online. You know, if it's a retaining wall, for instance, it's very difficult to demonstrate that you can actually build a retaining wall online. It's very easy to fabricate that kind of stuff, taking photos of someone else's work, for instance. That's a pretty common yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, a little in chat GPT job as well. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, exactly Dali. right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and uh, whereas diplomas, um, mostly sort of theoretical, mostly online work, because it's talking about tendering for jobs, learning how to uh, make sure that you can actually price your jobs and all the theory and insurance and so on behind it. Cool. Yeah. So, I, I think the audience listening probably, maybe they are doing kind of, you know, these vocational kind of government funded products. Most of them probably aren't though, but I still think you, know, you are a master of selling high ticket, right? You know, 400K a month or whatever you guys hit, selling courses for 4K, you know, some up come at 10, 15K, you were telling me last time. So I really want to kind of dive into the strategy on how people can sell courses for, for this price, right? Um, if you're, you know, giving a ton of value in there and there's a community, maybe some live calls, a, a lot of these aspiring course creators can bump up that price, right? You know, you mm-hmm. know, to do uh, a few thousand dollars, but yeah. when it comes to selling, maybe there's that you know limiting belief where it's like, oh, no one will pay me three thousand dollars or four thousand dollars for my course, um, which in some cases could be true. It, it does depend on the niche and the audience and your and your credibility. But when someone comes to you with, with you know one of these courses, talk me through the the process of kind of how you get it, you know, how you get the Facebook ads live, how you get it scaling, you know, up until you're making you know whatever it is four hundred k a month in sales tells kind of the system you use yeah fantastic so what we do is we have a look at these courses and we have a look at what are the benefits that they provide like why would someone actually want to do this course Mm -hmm. right so especially during covid what we were doing with the landscaping courses was there was a lot of people who weren't able to even get to work um, because their jobs Mm -hmm. were getting shut down they were losing their jobs due to not taking the vaccine so on so forth And so what we were able to do was we identified that one of the areas that actually wasn't getting affected very much here in Queensland was the construction industry. So that was still booming. Mm -hmm. Uh, They wanted to basically, I think the terms that they were using was build their way uh, out of a recession. So there was a lot of funding going into construction, a lot of money going towards it. And people people were getting sick of just being locked at home um, and they just wanted to get out and do things. So we looked at that and we went, okay, well, look, yeah, you can just become a landscaper, right? So that could be your, your generic sort of tagline. If you hire any sort of VA, they'll just give you that kind of a tagline of become a landscaper, yeah, yeah. right? Chat but GPT. We actually, yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that sort yeah, of low-level yeah, nice. stuff, right? And it's like, yeah, okay, those who already want to become a landscaper will look at that and go, yeah, yeah cool, this might be for me. Right? Yeah. But what we did was we started playing around more and getting a little bit more sort of in your face with the taglines and the hooks. Uh, and mm. the best one that we had was actually, are you tired of COVID affecting your job? Try landscaping. So what that did, that drove a hell of a lot of engagement in the comments, which is another thing that people need to think about when advertising on social media is getting engagement on their posts. And you can imagine, I mean, all the people commenting below, like how they lost their job about vaccines, they started getting real political about it. And because we were getting so much engagement in the comments, we were able to get such cheap leads and so much exposure because the algorithm looked at it and said, okay, well, this is clearly a post that people want to see. This is something that people want to engage with. And you got to remember that Facebook, TikTok, whatever the social media platform, they're all a business and they're, they're in the business of capturing your attention and keeping it because they earn their money from the ad revenue. So every fourth post, I think, on Facebook is an ad. Mate, they charge us as the business owners per impression. So every time it's on someone's feed, we get charged for it, right? 
And they want to give people content that they actually want to see. So they keep scrolling through posts and they keep seeing more ads and they keep getting more ad revenue. So it, it kind of boils down to trying to drive that engagement through having some captivating and relevant hooks that also drive the engagement as well. Nice. Okay, cool. So you had this product during the, the COVID example. You mentioned that you know you tested headlines and, and that one where it's like you know COVID affecting your job. When you get the product, you just go to market and test kind of all these different benefits, all these different angles, and then uh, you know and then just double down. Once you have the product and it's already existing, what's like the very first test or ads you would launch to kind of start you know testing different messages and hooks and angles and things like that? Yeah, so we'll typically brainstorm and come up with several hundred variables. Um, whether it's images, that's normally the first thing that we test. And we'll just kind of, I guess, gut feeling uh, the sort of copywriting through it. There is something you read and you go, look, if I was in their shoes, would I click on that? Probably not. And you can, as you kind of figure it out and you get more experienced with it, obviously your gut feeling gets a little bit better. Your intuition gets a little bit better. But the main thing, I mean, look, you just kind of gut feeling it out and you go, okay, well, I think there's going to be maybe 5, 10, 15 variables that are going to be a little bit more effective and a little bit more engaging. And again, we measure it based off of the engagement too. So What's going to stop people in their tracks? Because especially on Facebook, I mean, you only get like a slither of about three lines to capture their attention, right? If that, yeah, yeah, If that, exactly. So, I mean, you know, you've got to capture their attention straight away, otherwise they're gone. And that's, you know, you've been charged for that and they've moved on. It's it's a waste of everyone's time. Yeah. So, you got to think about, okay, well, what's the most captivating right off the cuff? What's going to drive the engagement? And what are people going to be interested in? So, we talked about on our sort of initial call, uh, I think it was last week, about how in like the image in particular, I know a lot of people are using videos at the moment to really try and drive engagement. But the issue that I find with videos is, I mean, you have sponsored right at the top of the post, right? People scroll straight past an ad. Like they don't want to see them half the time. They're not on Facebook to see it. They're there to see their friends, see what they're doing. You know, maybe there's the odd thing that comes up that's relevant to them. But we found that images actually test really bloody well for courses. And so if we test, uh, we'll test maybe 10 or 15 different images as well, again, based off of gut feelings. And the images are, we have uh, what we call the wants in the image. So it's it comes back to, we do the analysis of, okay, well, what can people get out of this course, right? So let's use ChatGPT as an example, right? Maybe someone uh, doesn't care to necessarily learn about AI. They think it's just hype and it's a bubble and it's going to be worth nothing in, in a little while's time. But if you came at them and said, okay, well, if you learned AI, you can become a copywriter for 30 to $60 an hour and work from home. Now you've got a tagline and a hook that says, okay, work from home, earn $60 an hour, work the hours you want, right? And then it comes yeah. into, okay, well, how do I do this? Right. AI, what? yes. Exactly yes. right. Yep, so yep, yep. this is facilitating mm. the end goal. So rather than having an image that is just the chat GPT logo, like I see for a lot of them, you might have, <laughs> you know, some some pretty girl working on a laptop in her pajamas. At a beach or something. Yeah, Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. relax. So it's the benefit. Looks, yeah, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Okay. What are the benefits yep. out of the course? That's mm. what you're selling. Yeah. And would you test different benefits? So let's say as an example, all right, you know, we're doing a high ticket course, kind of like coaching course for real estate agents, how, how to generate more leads. Would it be a thing, and we kind of do this now, but I'm curious from your your strategy, it would be something where it's like, okay, what are the outcomes or the benefits? It's okay, you know, book calls on the calendar, it's leads, it's, you know, revenue generating, it's you know, being the, the go-to authority. These are kind of all different benefits or, you know, d- d- dimensions 
that realtors think about. Are you just kind of taking all of them, having gut feeling, testing which ones work, and then you know whatever wins you just double down on? I, I assume. Yeah, I mean, look, that's definitely part of it, and we definitely mm-hmm. start off there as part of the brainstorming mm-hmm. session. But we'd also look about yeah. okay, what are the kind of fundamentals of humans? And people want to earn more money for less work, mm-hmm. right? So it's yep. fill up your calendar, stress free would be of the course. kind of taglines that I'd be yeah. testing. Um, yep. So you never have to worry about this again. Focus on the areas that you actually want to work on in the business and do, frankly, less work and earn more money than the guy next year who's working three times as hard. That's the kind of taglines, they're the kind of hooks that I'd be looking at to really kind of be more in your face, I suppose, um, about the kind of advantages and the benefits that they are there. Because just simply listing like, the, the specs and the benefits and what they'll get won't necessarily get the engagement. That's what everyone kind of starts off with. You want to look at what are the what are the real tangible benefits. And the reality is he can earn the same amount of money working half the time with our proven system. Yeah. And and would you come up with all these angles and hook ideas? You mentioned that, you know, you're going to copy and you're going to images as well. What kind of images are you using? Do you have like templates in Canva or are you copying from other ad libraries or kind of how are you coming up with these images? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, again, we'll kind of brainstorm the sort of things that might be included there. And it might be a real estate agent having a nap in his uh, in his chair, right? Uh, because he's one. able to, yeah. you know, take a nap for two or three mm-hmm. hours during the day and still earn just as much money. So we'll brainstorm and, and it sometimes we brainstorm the images first. Sometimes it's the taglines first and the angles. Yeah. And then from that, we can get a bunch of different ideas. But no, we, we don't cool. often use templates. Um, templates, so, you can kind of spot that fairly quickly and fairly easily. But, um, you know, honestly, there's been a lot of times if you're selling business to consumer stock images, we've used a lot of stock images in the past, which have worked really well. And sometimes that's all you need. Like you just shop around on Shutterstock and you can find a fairly decent image of what you're trying to convey. There's heaps Mm -hmm. out there. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know that you even necessarily need to tweak them very much often. Um, you just need to test them, see what kind of angles work very well and, and mm-hmm. go from there. Do you add text to these images or is it just like pure image and then the headline and the copy does most of the selling? Yeah, look, sometimes. Um, so sometimes yep. we'll add a little bit of a text to the image. Sometimes we won't. And again, it just depends on the demographic. It's just about finding what works and what doesn't. So it may work that real estate agents want to see more text on the image and maybe they don't. Maybe they just want to see mm-hmm. someone relaxing who's you know either relatable or attractive or both um and they that sort of stops them in their path and then they read the tagline and they read on and now we're clicking through and okay cool so let's say you've got angles you've got headlines you've got images how do you launch these initially into facebook let's say you know that's a new ad account there's no pixel there's no training data no lookalikes anything like that just like a raw account um and all you really have is you know these creatives first of all Tell me the the funnel. I know what it is, but explain it for the audience where, where you go from kind of ad to sale. What does that funnel process look like? And then how do you launch these ads at the start? We can go nerdy, kind of CBO, ABO, different variations and kind of what does that process look like in terms of scaling? So there's about 40 questions there. Answer whichever ones you want. Sorry. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, look, what I've found, a lot of companies will start off trying to advertise by uh, getting clicks straight to the website. That's not always the best idea, um, especially if it's a low converting website. I mean, quite often um, they'll click on and the bounce rate's bloody insane, right? And you're just pouring money down the drain. It's a waste of time. What we've found is by actually using like Facebook's native uh, landing pages for leads, you can get fantastic results. And it's normally a hell of a lot more measurable too. 
they push through to whatever CRM you want. And from there, you can set up your automations and you want to confirm straight away that you've received that data. Thank you for showing your interest, uh, as well as probably a text, just so that you confirm all the information, everything's good to go. And the next best thing as well, what we found is picking up the phone and getting onto it straight away. So straight if they're away. not, yeah. yeah, if they're not booking a call, you want to get on that straight away. They're a warm lead. They're so interested. Yeah, they're hot. And you can, yeah. yeah, they're hot as hell. They're piping hot. They're super mm-hmm. keen, man. So you got to jump yeah. on the phone. You got to get onto them straight okay. away. Just so I get this straight, because yeah, I know a person, even me, some of my friends who have had like great success with Facebook lead ads, just because like everything is tracked on Facebook. There's no pixel yeah. in iOS messing you up it's like everything is on platform you know like you were saying before like people uh facebook wants people to stay on the platform right so by yeah. just opening up a, an instant form um it's you know the the cost per lead is always cheaper on a facebook lead than a funnel so let me get this straight we'll go into the ad scaling in a second but it's a, it's a facebook lead form where you know you collect information it'll depend obviously kind of niche to niche industry to industry and then that goes into a um, an automation triggers into your CRM, whether using kind of high level, the, you know, the lead is in there. What else happens? Are we sending kind of automated texts? Are we sending automated emails? Do they have a link to, to book a call proactively? Like, like what's after the, the prospect or the avatar fills the form? What do they see? What do they do next? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, they'll, they'll fill out the form. And what I've found with uh, lead forms, less is more. People aren't that keen on giving out a heap of information. So, if you can yeah. keep it as bare minimum as you possibly can, name, number, email, then, I mean, you'll get a hell of a lot more volume coming through. The more information you ask for, people are fairly inherently untrusting uh, and also inherently lazy as well. Um, So, you know, the more that they have to do, the more of the legwork that they have to do, the less likely they are to do it. It's just kind of that simple. So we try to capture uh, as little as we can on the lead forms. And when you get on the phone, you can always grab that information then once you've built that rapport and you've built that trust with them. Uh, but asking for too much up front, as much as it's fantastic from a, a data capturing standpoint and it looks good on paper, reality is it's more expensive. You're less likely to get leads coming through that are piping hot and less likely to get sales ultimately, which is the end goal really. So once they fill out their information on the lead form, what I'd normally have is at the end of it, when you've got that sort of thank you page, then we would have a link straight to booking a call. So if there's a preferred time that you want, book a call now using this link, then they can click straight through. We've already, once they've submitted that information, sent them an email confirming that we've received it as well as a text saying, thank you, you're now in our system. You'll receive a call within the next, however your time frame works, but you want it to be bloody quick uh, and try to be realistic as well. Um, don't say in the next five minutes if it's going to be the next hour because it comes down to service delivery expectation. If you say you're going to do A, make sure you deliver A, not B, right? Once they come through and they book that, obviously you've, you've got that information. You know that they have, have, have booked that call. That's when you call them. Don't be late. I mean, honestly, make sure you're on time with these things. Their time is precious, okay? They might not be doing anything for the day, but they'll be offended if you're five minutes late. So make sure that you're on the call on time uh, and you're prepared and you know what you're doing. But otherwise, if they haven't booked a call within about sort of five to 10 minutes, you know they're probably not going to book a call. But we always make sure that in that text and in that email, that confirmation, we go, if there's a preferred time, you can book on our calendar using this link so that there is still that option. But they've received it straight away. And we just hop on the phone within that sort of 10 to 15 minutes uh, if they haven't booked a call and we're trying to convert them there and then. Cool. Okay. So let's run through an example. We can even do a role play because I'm curious how this would work. Because 
another thing as well, which I love about this is it is so simple where instead of like, if, if someone wants to sell a high ticket course and have to build a freaking funnel and a webinar and a VSL and edit it and design, that shit takes months, right? Yeah. Versus, hey, what's up? Here's a Facebook ad. Not even an image from from, from Shutterstock, some good copy that, that ChatGPT can probably write, you know, targeting the right yep. audience and you're just getting leads and the selling, instead of doing it on a VSL, you're just doing it over the phone. It's a lot more manual, a yep. lot cheaper. And obviously for you, it's working better. So someone's on their phone, whatever, you know, maybe they're at work, they see a, uh, an ad on Instagram or Facebook, they enter their details, um, that they, they don't book a call and then they'll be getting an outbound call. Are you trying to do like a, a one call close there or is the first call more of like a triage and introduction to see if they're a good fit and then book them again? No, look, I'd always try to close on the first call. Um, what I've found is the more contact points, the more likely they are to drop off because again, it comes back to how much work they have to do. And by booking in another call, there's more potential things that come up. I mean, look, reality is life happens. You know what I mean? Maybe someone gets sick, you know, maybe they've got an emergency that comes up. Maybe they've got work, they get called in. And there's any number of reasons why they might not show up to that call. And trying to get them on that second or third or fourth or fifth call, it just gets harder and harder. And if they don't show up to the third, that whole chain breaks and you've lost that sale. Trying to get them re-engaged and getting them warm again, it's just, it's a mission. So we always write for our clients one call close scripts. Um, they're normally honestly like five to 10 minutes. They don't need to be too invasive. They don't need to be too much. It's more about going through what their student journey looks like. Um, what are the price points, you know, as well as obviously payment plans, if that's a thing, you know what I mean? You want to address those sort of question marks. You, I, I don't like when people will book in two, three, four, five calls and we, you know, we're on the fourth call and we still haven't talked about the cost of the course. Like, mate, to be honest, that's one of the main things I want to know. When I'm talking about something, can I even afford to do this or not? It's, it's yeah. kind of as simple yeah, as that. Totally. I want to go into that call because I think, you know, that's an incredible skill. Um, and we'll get into that in a second. But let's step back into the ad strategy. So we have images, we have headlines, we're, we're testing multiple when you're setting up the ad account and you're optimizing for leads, uh, how are you doing targeting? You're kind of doing a broad, you do interest-based, does it depend on the niche? How do you kind of set up the campaign and actually launch it from a, from a targeting perspective? I mean, look, the only thing we would really sort of factor in is location. So if they have to be in person to do these, then obviously they need to be within a certain radius of where the course is being held. Otherwise, I mean, there's no point advertising to someone in the States if the course is in Brisbane because that's just an extra barrier that they've got to overcome. The chances of them flying all the way to you know Brisbane to do their bloody course is is slim to none, right? Unless you're someone fantastic, uh, it's not going to happen. So that's the only real thing that we factor in. Uh, over time, we'll look at the demographics and who's clicking through to the ad, and we'll run the analysis. Sometimes we've found that you know one gender is a hell of a lot cheaper to advertise to and gets more sales than the other, so we might boil it down then. Sometimes age demographic as well. They might be a hell of a lot cheaper to convert if they're, you know, 25 to 34 or so on and so forth. So after a while, we'll start narrowing down the demographics and testing it. But again, we will keep every other variable the same and then run a campaign for a period of time to say, okay, well, you know, we've got an idea here that it might be cheaper to advertise to these people where we might get more conversions and obviously more sales and more revenue as a result and obviously more return on investment. But you still need to test it, right? So you keep everything the same, broad targeting, and then you start narrowing it down. And then if it works out that one gender is cheaper, hey, guess what? We're running that now. And we're testing a different variable for demographics. Interesting. So so like most of the time, you, you just start on broad, only targeting location, and then you let Facebook do the work and then zone in if you feel it's necessary. 
That's exactly right. And I mean, yeah, honestly, Facebook's algorithm is fantastic. Yeah, it finds the yeah, people yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah. You know, we're similar, and especially yeah, yeah, and and we find something we've been you know. A lot of people do this and we've been doing it more and more, but it's like, you know, creative-based targeting where it's like instead of putting an audience or an interest in the ad set, you target people with the headline or the hook or the image where it's like, okay, if this is for people wanting to get into landscaping and the copy's there, Facebook's just going to show it to, to the right people. That's exactly right. right. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're testing ads, we're going broad, we're getting calls that they're going into our CRM and then either, you know, the course creator or someone from their sales teams can, you know, start doing outbound, right, immediately, you know, as soon as they call, it might be different for vocation, but maybe we could even run through like a role play of like, if you're getting leads in and you were to do outbound, how you would handle it? Because you say yeah, you write sure. scripts. All right, let's think, can we do like a, like a non-vocation course as a hypothetical? Yep. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do the example that, that I spoke about before. So a course for like realtors and, and real estate agents where it's a coaching, how to do marketing, how to do sales, we're kind of giving them all templates and uh community support. So I'm a realtor, it came up on my Facebook feed, a sick ad that David ran, gave my details into the Facebook lead form and now I'm getting a call on my iPhone. Hello. Yeah, fantastic. Right. Hey, Hello. Lucas, uh, it's David calling from Tulip Media. How are you today? Good. Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Look, uh, we noticed that you clicked on our Facebook ad uh, about generating leads for your real estate company. What, what got you interested in it? Um, well, I, I'm a realtor. Um, the market's kind of struggling right now and the instructor looked really, really good. It looked interesting to me and like it could potentially help me. Yeah, fantastic. And look, what specifically about it uh, are you most interested in? Was it just how easily the leads can come through or the headaches it kind of relieves for you? I'll, I'll just say that the marketing strategies looked really good. I'm struggling for leads right now. Um, it's getting way more expensive and harder. So yeah, the, the strategies that you spoke about in the ad really stood out to me and I think they can help me a lot. Yeah, fantastic. Look, it sounds like we can definitely help you out then. So uh, one of the things about the course, it runs for about one week. Um, there's mm -hmm. 10 modules in the course. So it, it depends, obviously, you can get through a lot quicker than that or a lot slower than that. It depends exactly on how often you show up and how much work you put in, like any course. Um, the cost for the course is only $4.99. I know that's a sticking point. Uh, is that going to be within your sort of price range or would you be looking at a payment plan for that? It's within my price range. Yeah. Fantastic. Definitely. Okay. Well, look, I mean, what you'll get out of the course is we'll give you a full marketing breakdown on the strategies we've used to help mm. clients in the past. Um, you'll also see any of the results that we've had. So, for instance, we've had uh, John over here. He's received... study. Uh, yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So, yeah. he's yeah. received... Uh, once he joined within 14 days of completing the course, he implemented the strategy. Within only a month, he's got a fully booked calendar and he's had listings every weekend. He's actually had to hire new people so that he can keep up with the work that he's got now. Wow, I'm in. And then basically what happens then, you know, we're out of the role play now, but, but it's just kind of answering questions. So I, I guess it's just kind of answering objections and questions until, until you get the payment. That's exactly right. And what I try to do as well, um, we, we skipped over it this time, but what I try to do is I say, look, mate, there's a little bit of a sort of script that I've got to get through. I'm sorry, it's, it's painful here in scripts. I know it is, but it should answer pretty much any question that you've got. From there, we'll jot down where you know, everything from duration, how many modules, what it covers, mm -hmm. as well as price point. So that should deal with most of the objections. So it, it stops it from what happens with objections is once they get one or two, they, they can get on a roll sometimes and it just chews mm -hmm. up your time on the phone. So if you've got a heap of leads coming through, which is obviously the end goal, you want to make sure that your phone calls are maybe five to 10 minutes. And then you want to make sure that all of the automation backend is dealt with as well. So that we're updated from, okay, well, We've got Lucas here. He's on the call. He's good to go. He said he's keen. Right. We've just taken payment. 
Um, now he should receive his login automatically as yeah. well as the, mm -hmm. you know, confirmation email and confirmation SMS. He should receive everything automatically. So if he's not, and I have to start sending this stuff manually, then it takes a potentially a five minute task out to half an hour to an hour drafting up these emails. If there's anything different, I've got to get it approved by the manager. But honestly, if it's a well thought out system, it should all be automated. So you've got a guy on the phone who can handle 100, 200 phone calls a day and that cuts your costs down a hell of a lot. Yeah. Okay. And when it comes to, I know this is a bit nuanced, but if someone hasn't sold high ticket before, it'll be an objection. So, so you do the pitch. How do you actually go into the close on that phone call? How do you kind of you know, get the money, quote unquote? What does that look like? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, look, it's about making sure you've got all the objections out of the way first. Uh, and then it's okay, look, is there any reason we can't push forward with making a sale today? Maybe, maybe uh, I could have some time to think about it. Yeah, look, I mean, what is there to think about? I just need to run it uh, by my partner and kind of, you know, get, get the finance all organized, make sure it's a, it's a good decision. Yeah, look, I, I totally understand needing to run it by your partner and needing to get the finances sorted. We, we do actually offer payment plans as well. Is that something that you'd be interested in? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, fantastic. So we can, rather than it being one lump sum up front, which obviously can be quite a strain, especially at the moment with increasing uh, price hikes in just about everything we can think of. Look, I mean, we can do a payment plan, which means we can pay it off over six weeks. That brings mm -hmm. it down from $600 up front to just $100 a week. And we can start that any day this week. How does that sound? Yeah, yeah that sounds good. I'm in. There you go. There we go. We've got the close. And then how to actually get the payment? What happens there? So we can go, look, mate, do you want to do it via invoice or do you want to simply do it over the phone now? I can actually log in the system if you've got your card with you uh, and we can fill out the details, get it done, and we can get the receipts then straight to you. Perfect. And if it's an invoice, obviously, you know, you, you just send send it via yeah. email and then put it into CRM, make sure that, that there's follow-up and that yeah, the, exactly. the cracks, work the lead because the money's in the follow-up. Okay. That's it. Man, that sounds so simple. So, you know, I love VSLs and I love funnels, but... You don't even need it, right? You can sell a 4K product with an image and a Facebook lead form and a phone. That's insane. And look, that's right. exactly so, what so, we've done. So, so tell us about that, man. Like, like, let's go into some of the, you know, some of the biggest campaigns that you've run in this space. You know, what was the niche kind of, you know, what were the, you know, the, the kind of like highest numbers? What were the angles? Tell us kind of the, you know, the, the biggest campaigns and, and what you did and what happened. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the landscape has definitely been uh, one of the biggest ones for us you know, tired of COVID affecting your job. That was, that was massive for us. And uh, using that campaign from a 26K ad spend, we actually generated $3.2 million worth of leads. Um, 26K so, to $3 million. That's exactly right. Damn. Yeah. So, There's I mean, that, that was just one. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. another one was a diploma of building and construction. Um, mm -hmm. So, we did, at first, it was $10,000 ad spend. Then we had to reduce mm -hmm. the budget down, right? But from the $10,000, we got $1.2 million worth of leads. Once we reduce the budget down, you're not going to believe these next numbers, right? But the next month, once we reduce the budget down, it was only $1,700 in ad spend made and we still got $380,000 worth of leads. When you say worth of leads, is it kind of like revenue that's generated on the back end or, or you're just counting kind of you know value per lead? So that's value per lead. And I mean, you, you got to remember, obviously, you still got to convert those leads and get them across the line. Mm -hmm. But the conversion is in your system, how well it works. And then it boils okay. down. If the system's good enough, then it boils down to that end point of the salesperson at the end of, other end of the phone. Yeah. How are you determining the, the kind of um, the value per lead, if that makes sense? 
Yeah. So, I mean, um, value per lead is just simply the cost for the course. Simple as that. Got it. Okay. So, so every lead that comes through, their, their value is the cost of the course. So, it's $3 million worth of leads, but it wouldn't actually be that in sales. It'd be a little bit less. No, of course not. I mean, look, if, you, if you're yeah. dealing with a yeah. 25% uh, profit margin, then you're looking at what? Uh, $800,000 worth of sales from 26K ad spend. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Any other um, any other cool campaigns they've run? Yeah, no, we, we've generated a, a good quite a few million for campaigns. It's mostly been in the construction industry. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the the diplomas. It was simply talking about you know you need this to get your license. Um, that did very well, and all we had for the image there was simply a, a guy who he looked very happy, quite relatable, just like every sort of guy you would see at the pub, right? And he just had a hard hat on and a flannel. Uh, and he was just there smiling with his arms crossed in front of a construction site. And that was the ad that got us, uh, yeah, 380K worth of leads from just $1,700. Damn. Damn. Thank you, Shutterstock. Yeah, honestly. Nice. Well, well, man, this this is going to be a, a good transition because I remember last week we were nerding out for about 40 minutes on AI and, and chat GPT. It's, you know, it's all the kind of trend right now. Tell us how you incorporate, you know, AI, ChatGPT, and different AI tools into your workflow to kind of you know, get these results and obviously save you time as someone building the campaign. Yeah, absolutely. So look, what we'll do is uh, if a new course comes in, right, and it's a totally different niche that we're not used to at all, we'll use it for a hell of a lot of the research uh, and a yep. lot of the ideas as far as brainstorming too. So what are the mm-hmm. potential pain points? Why would someone want to get into this? Uh, let's use real estate uh, lead generation as an example. Yeah. You know, what are the kind of headaches that a realtor will be dealing with? Um, you, you know, what are the pain points? What What is the value proposition out of a course that provides X, Y, Z? And it can do a lot of the brainstorming for you. From there, you obviously need to create of all of the copywriting for the emails yep. as well as the text notifications. Uh, and ChatGPT can deal with a lot of that. Now, it might not be absolutely perfect, um, but it will be better than 90% of the people out there and what they can create. So, I mean, you know, it's about return on investment as far as time that you want to spend. But if you're taking on a marketing team, I think it's it's our responsibility to have a look at it from a, a marketing perspective uh, and really make sure that, it, you know, we tweak it and we refine it and make sure it's a little bit prettier and a little bit better. Um, from there, I mean, it can even help with the ad copywriting as well as what questions to potentially ask too in the lead landing form. Again, we try to keep it basic and general, but there might be niche-specific information that we need to get as well. It also makes sense to simply use it as a, a checklist too. So, you know, what are we going to need for this uh, campaign? Well, we're going to need to set up a couple of different ad variations. We're going to need to generate the image. Uh, and then it's uh, what are the ideas for the images? What are the ideas for the taglines, the hooks? Uh, you can use it for brainstorming, I would say, 90 95% of your work. And obviously, once you've set up all the automations back end, as well as script writing too, it can help with a lot of that. Once you feed the data into it about what are the benefits out of the course, then it can generate something that's pretty pretty workable. It, it's actually quite good at making scripts for, for calls. You need to make it a little bit more human-like and a little bit more uh, user-friendly to read. But uh, yeah, it, it can deal with 90, 95% of your workload so you can cut out so much of those costs. I use it a ton now. Not so much for creative stuff, but either like ideation or at least kind of like cleaning it up a little bit, you know, fixing all the mm. spelling mistakes and, and all the grammar and things. I think like it is very much where I, you know, I think maybe someone tries one prompt one time and it wasn't perfect. Like, oh, ChatGPT sucks, I need to write human. Yeah. But it's like 
you know, it's all in the prompt, right? You know, there's some freak prompts that I see on Twitter, you know, where there's just, it's like an essay, but it just gets perfect scripts or, or, or lines or like spending time in there and kind of even, you know, doing revisions where it's like, okay, you know, variation, add one, thanks chat GPT, but make it a little bit more personal. I don't like this bit, add this bit, I'll just do it for, you know what I mean? It's way yeah. faster than, you know, uh, an advanced copywriter. So, so that's dope. So, so there's a new product in, you just do research, find all the pain points, you get all the angles, get it to help you write the emails, scripts, and then you just basically put it into Facebook leads, do the calls and close. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, you got to look it's, at um, chat GPT and other AI tools as, mm-hmm. as exactly that. It's a tool. Right. So the same way that, uh, you know, you can have a hammer and a chisel, you or I, because we know absolutely bugger all about carpentry, wouldn't be able to do too much as far as building a house, but someone can use a hammer and chisel and they can make something absolutely gorgeous, literal works of art. Right. So it's based off of what you put into it. So it's just a tool and it's about coming up with the right prompts and the right input to get the right desire. So. You know, you just need to put some real thought behind, okay, well, what am I actually trying to achieve out of this? And there are different models out there and different ideas uh, that can be used as far as prompt generation. But honestly, you're trying to think about what kind of format you want. What are you trying to achieve out of this prompt as well? What does it need to look like? How should it read? Uh, all of these kind of things you've got to think about when you're putting into a prompt. And I mean, you don't need to, you can talk to it like a person, but it's going to give you conversational responses, right? Unless you give it a more specific, hey, I'm writing an essay on, you know, X, Y, Z. I need it to be a thousand words long and it needs to cover off on these points. Well, guess what? It'll do it. But if you don't give it that and you say, I'm writing an essay, it's going to write you an essay. It's not going to be about X, Y, Z. It's not going to be a thousand words long. And it's it's just a tool that we could use. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, man, this was super valuable. A I absolutely love what you do. It's it's really, really blown my mind. And even, you know, if someone wants to even validate a course and they don't even have it have it there yet, or maybe their, their current funnel isn't working, man, just put some images, get some Facebook lead forms, start making some calls and and selling it. Like, you know, what you're doing, obviously, you know, there's a lot of skill involved in the messaging and the ads and the targeting and the selling. But in terms of, you know, the, the system that you're executing, it's it's genius, man. Like it's really, really cool. So I'm curious for, for anybody listening who you know, has an online program or wants to launch an online program. Are there any you know, other words of wisdom or advice you can you can kind of give us or or give them to scale their their online course program? Look, don't get put off if the first ad fails. You've got to test. I mean, we create several hundred variations of the same ad for a reason because we don't know what's going to work necessarily. We have an idea but we won't know exactly what works and what's going to work the best. One of the best ones that we used for landscaping before are you tired of COVID affecting your job was simply level up this year in landscaping. That doesn't mean anything, right? But it worked really bloody well uh, and it got plenty of results. And it was, I think it was down at number nine on our top 10 list, right? But it took off better than just about everything else. So when you're testing all these different variations, what is the setup like? Are you doing are you doing kind of like dynamic creative and throwing everything in there or are you kind of testing headline copy variations with the same image and then what happens when one doesn't work? How do you bring in new variations? What does that actual testing process look like in the ad account when you're like scaling these campaigns? So I don't like dynamic creative just because it's a lot harder to get the information out of it on which ones actually performed better. Um, I create separate ads each time with the different variations that we've got there. And you can simply turn those ads off once they're not working anymore or you've tested them and you can create a new variation in the same campaign. So it's got got all that information there, all the data that it needs on what's working and what's not. 
and then you just keep those two ads going. Try and if you want it to be each week or each fortnight or each month, it's totally up to you. Turn those ads off, put a new one in there and go for gold. Yeah. And how many variations of this do launch with at the start and kind of how many ads you want active at, at any given time? Because I hear two, two, you know, some people just have like <laughs> 10 ad creatives in one account running at all times. The other ones kind of are only running two and apparently that works better. So what are you seeing working right now in terms of? We stick to two, honestly. I mean, I don't know how it spreads the budget when you, you start doing 10 different copies but it does not spread it very evenly at all. We'll see some ads, it'll spend five times as much. And of course, it's going to get more results if it spends five times the budget, right? Simple as that. But when you run out and you look at the analysis of, okay, well, what are we getting back for what's being spent? That's what you need to look at. Uh, And it's just not really that feasible doing it on 10 different ad creatives, I don't think anyway, or from our experience. Whereas just from two, you can look, it's an apples to apples comparison. You see it as plain as day. You see what's working, what's not, and you can just go from there, especially those just starting out too. Yeah, just be clear. You'll launch two angle variations of, of the ad creative, like angle one, angle two, and then at the start, see which one you know doesn't work or doesn't work and then just replace it with a new one and just keep kind of doing that, you know, whatever makes sense for you to kind of really zone in and optimize. And you're, and you're always trying to beat the winner, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense, man. That's incredible. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Are there any closing thoughts or anything else that you know you you want to get off your chest or share before we start to to, to wrap up? Yeah. Look, if you really want to take it to the next level, then uh, reach out to Lucas and myself, and we'll help you out. Love it, man. Love it. Well, where can people reach out to you? Where can people find you? Learn more about what you do. Yeah. So we're Tulip Media on just about every social media platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can simply send us a message if you want to get started, or we can head over to our website, which is tulipmedia.com. And that's T-W-O-L-I-P-M-E-D-I-A. Nice. What does that mean? Uh, it's a kind of a play on words there. Yeah, Yeah, it's kind of a a play on words. I mean, the original, uh, have you ever heard of Tulip Fever? No. So So a little while ago. uh, Maybe I'm too old for that stuff. Yeah. Because you're only (laughs) 23, aren't you? What? Uh, Yeah, 24. 24. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's quite quite a way... um, uh, behind our time anyway, but a little while ago, uh, tulips, they were selling, I mean, it's literally just a flower that you can grow in your backyard, mm-hmm. right? But they were selling for as much as a house. That spread simply through word of mouth. People perceive their value with, they lined it up with love and getting the love of your life and all that kind of a thing. But that was, in my opinion, one of the first forms of advertising. It was the first bubble is how people saw it, right? And it all came about just through word of mouth. So yeah, play on words. Damn, nice. And here we are with the Courses and Funnels podcast, which is the most generic, obvious, unsmart <laughs> name ever. David, thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, Tulip Media, um, if you want to reach out to David. Again, thanks for coming on, man. This was amazing. No worries at all. Thank you, Lucas. Thanks for having me.